Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those who can't believe there are people who actually had sex in high school. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Productions, and we haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today, we are talking about 2006's John Tucker Must Die. This story is about Sean Tucker. He is the man. He lost it to the homecoming queen and the prom queen at the same time. You are so sexy when you speak French. He's got two girlfriends. Whoa, scratch that. Three girlfriends? Have you ever dated John Tucker? Hey! He's mine! Stay away from him! I am dating John Tucker. This guy is cheating on all of you and you're beating each other? We have something in common. We all want to kill John Tucker. What are you girls up to? Destroying a man. All right. Play nice girls. Your mom is so hot. If we combine all of us, we can make him fall in love with you and we'll yank it all out from under him. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to your Thursday fair of choice. It's after Halloween. We hope you had a great Halloween. And right now we're in the... um. The weird middle period before we're going to go full holiday on you guys because we there aren't enough Christmas movies to start right now. And also, why don't we just enjoy the reprieve for a couple weeks, right? What do you mean there aren't enough? There's plenty if we wanted to, but I don't want to do that. That fit in the sleepover cinema <laughs> genre, though? There's lots of sleepover cinema movies that have Christmas in them. Doesn't necessarily mean they are Christmas Right. Movies. I'm actually kind of surprised we didn't think of doing The Grinch. I guess I shouldn't say that because we got to keep them wondering. Yeah. Also, I don't want to do The Grinch. Creepy. <laughs> it is creepy. creepy. I, th- I think it's creepy too. And I have no nostalgia for it. If you are a video watcher, you might be wondering why <laughs> you're seeing every pair of shoes that I own. Um, well, it's because my laptops broke, both of them, um, last week. And so I had to buy a new computer. Now I'm down to one computer. But I also figured this setup would actually be a lot easier because every single week I am hunching and I am sitting crisscross <laughs> applesauce on my bed. And it's not yeah. that sustainable, but I've been doing it for years. Yeah. Having a comfortable and reasonable setup is nice, I have to say. Yeah. Like I'm, you might just be seeing my shoes every week. It is unclear. It is undecided. <laughs> TBD about the presence of your shoes in the background. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay, so it's time for a question for the culture this week. The culture is super sick right now. It's actually really bad, period. Last week we were talking about Taylor Swift's promotion um, of her album, which at the time when we recorded that episode hadn't come out yet. But now at this time of recording, the album is out and I have witnessed the entire corporate rollout of this thing. And it really is something to behold. Like 
the, truly the number of people and organizations and money <laughs> Nonprofits. that has to go into her album rollouts is insane. I honestly can't believe I'm bringing her up again, but it's Neither because... Neither can I, as an activator. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just kidding. On the spectrum of Taylor haters... Okay, no, no, I can't even begin. I can't even begin. Okay, so, so what is it precisely about one Miss Taylor Swift that makes her so polarizing? Like, I know the things about her that irritate me, but like, I'm surprised by how universal of an experience it is. And I'm constantly wondering to myself whether it's, on purpose or not? Well, I think that um, like a white, blonde, beautiful woman who's rich and extremely successful is going to bother almost every, if not every, probably every type of person in some way. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. hits all sides. Like all yeah. people have a bone to pick with that type of person. Her defenders are so passionate and her haters are also so passionate and I just wonder like had the original controversy Kanye 2009 not happened I think there would be a lot 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 less conversation around her that that was the beginning of this like tree that has branched out in all of these different directions yeah you know what I mean had that not happened, she never would have seen herself as such a victim in the same way that she did. And she never would have created reputation. So, like, all of these beefs just would be irrelevant. And she probably would be a, an artist that people were less invested in their personal. I personally don't have a problem with annoying bitches. This is coming from a Lana fan. This is coming yeah. from a Lena Dunham fan. <laughs> like, I have no issues with people being annoying, but it's more like, if you're going to be annoying, just double down on it. Like, don't try to act like you need to be, like, held up as, like, a beacon of, like, correctness and flawlessness. Trying to have her cake and eat it, too, and then be worth $450 million and then be like, but why doesn't everyone love me? I don't know. It's just annoying. You can talk about so many things based off this one person. Yeah. You can talk yeah. about so many different topics in like a nuanced way. And I wish that I had the time to really Same. It, do like, that. It, it's honestly like dizzying to really think about because you're right. It's like if you're a beautiful, rich, thin, blonde, mega celebrity who is also pretty renowned for being like, a, a very gifted, talented person. Yeah. You are going to piss everyone off in one way or another. There really is no one like her. There really isn't. Nobody shuts it down like she does. You no. know what I mean? No. I think that on the whole, people should just take her at face value. Like, what's with all this, like, ex extrapolation? Everything about her the fact that she has made it a part of her fandom's culture to look into things and puzzle things out and figure things out has made her own life probably a lot harder. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Ariana, like 
for someone like Ariana Grande, she doesn't have that problem. She is straightforward as fuck. I think that to a certain degree, Taylor's success is due to the investment that she's able to like garner from her fans because she's okay with giving them things. You know what I mean? Like the line is so blurry. I mean, she's the one who literally invites fans to her house to like take pictures on Polaroids and hold her Grammys. Like we know someone who did that. (sighs) So like, I think like whenever people talk about her, they talk about um, like in a historical sense that she was like one of the first to really get in touch with her audience via MySpace and like to Mm -hmm. create that like internet relationship. Yeah. So, and that is kind of true for a musical artist. Right. But just like the fact that it's like over a decade later, we're just seeing how it's all unfolded. Like what does that turn into so many years later? (sighs) Someday. Maybe we'll do a bonus episode where we flesh out our thesis at some point. Okay. All of that being said, let's get into John Tucker Must Die. So John Tucker Must Die was released in theaters on July 27th, 2006 and was rated PG-13. It is directed by Betty Thomas, best known for having directed Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Squeakquel, Dr. Doolittle, <laughs> Dream On, and the Brady Bunch movie. <laughs> I don't even want to tell you how many times I had to double check how to spell squeakle. <laughs> but it's spelled for those curious. S-Q-U. Hello. So my audio got messed up for a second. So you're going to hear my iPhone audio for the next few minutes and then it'll go back to normal. E-A-K-Q-U-E-L. I mean, it makes sense. It's like phonetic. I know. Well, I was like S-Q-U-A-Q-E-L. And I was like, no, that doesn't look like squeak. (laughs) Anyway, anyway. Um, The screenplay was written by Jeff Lowell, who wrote The Crew, The Ranch. He wrote a bunch of episodes of Two and a Half Men. He also wrote the screenplay to Hotel for Dogs. And um, he wrote Over Her Dead Body. And he wrote On the Drew Carey Show and The George Carlin Show. Our cousin Julia, who was on the Harry Potter episode, like, five million years ago tweeted, in turn down for what voice? Hotel for dogs. <laughs> so you yell hotel for dogs instead of turn down for what? And then it just lived in my mind ever since I saw that. Whew. Okay, so synopses for John Tucker Must Die. I will go first with IMDb. Hmm. Kate is the new girl in school. She catches John Tucker dating three different girls at once. Carrie, the smart girl, Heather, the cheerleader, and Beth, the activist slut. (laughs) None of them are aware that they are not the only girl in John's heart. Kate, having been raised by a single mother, has seen the pain caused by playboys like John Tucker, and she won't stand idly by. Together with the three jilted ex-girlfriends, they hatch a plan to teach John a lesson. Things rarely go as planned, especially when Kate starts to think that she might be falling for John herself. Um, Letterboxd, after discovering they are all dating the same guy, three popular students from different cliques band together for revenge, so they enlist the help of a new gal in town and conspire to break the jerk's heart while destroying his reputation. Am I losing it, or is Britney Snow 
Is she Amber in Hairspray? Yeah. Okay. It's all coming together. Okay. Wait, so, you just thought of that? I literally just thought of that. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, when you said the new girl in town, I was like, the new girl in town. And How I was did, like, wait. That's insane <laughs> that you just I, put that together. I don't. It's because her hair is just so different. But okay. Anyway. Um, actually, okay. We'll circle back to that. The last synopsis. Rotten Tomatoes. After discovering they're all dating the same guy, three popular students from different cliques band together for revenge. So they enlist- the same. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I was, like, giving you the dramatic read as well. Okay, the Rotten Tomatoes synopsis is the same as Letterboxd. I got too distracted by remembering that Britney Snow is in hairspray. Okay. All right. The taglines. I really like this first one. I don't know why, but I do. Mm-hmm. It is, don't get mad, get even. I don't know why I like that, but I do. Okay. And the second one is, women want him, men want to be him, but these girls want to kill him. <laughs> not bad, not bad. All right, a little clunky. Um, okay, the cast, another gorgeous group of what, actually, no. Uh-huh. We have some non-white people in here. Thank mm-hmm. freaking God. Okay. And it's Ashanti, even better. So yeah. Jesse Metcalf plays John Tucker. He's known for this movie, Desperate Housewives. He has like a cameo in Two Bro Girls. I just put it in there. And Smallville. He looks like he would be in Smallville. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Ashanti plays Heather. She's known for this movie, Coach Carter. Uh, the Muppets, Wizard of Oz. She's not known we for that. We will be back. She we will be back. Not known for that. I just put it in there. Um, <laughs> Resident Evil, Extinction, and her music, of course. And I added that because I've we definitely had an awareness of her, kind of in a similar way to like Brandy, except. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I didn't have, like, I didn't have, like, an Ashanti CD or anything. Like, did she have albums? Yeah, I think the situation is that we probably had, like, a compilation CD that she had a song on. Yeah. That's my best guess. Next is Arielle Kebble, who plays Carrie. And she is known for this movie. Aquamarine isn't even in her known Uh, for category. uh. But she's also known for The Grudge to be uninvited. And then she's been in a bunch of episodes of 911 and The Vampire Diaries. Wow. Um, but yeah, obviously Aquamarine. And then Sophia Bush plays Beth. She's known for this movie as well, One Tree Hill. She's in a bunch of episodes of Phineas and Ferb. And then more recently, she's in Love, Victor. I am too old for that show. (laughs) And then Brittany Snow plays Kate. She is known for Pitch Perfect, one and two, Hairspray. Um, This horror movie called Prom Night, which I actually watched for the first time, like, last week. Mm -hmm. And it's really comically bad, but it's good at the same time. It's like she's the perfect encapsulation of what a 2008 prom queen should look like. Got it. Okay. Like, she is that. She embodies that. She's got the layers, the side bangs. You're right. You're right. And then this year, she was in the horror movie X. Um, She's an icon. Like, I love her. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I don't know why, but I do. 
she has good taste <laughs> when you wouldn't expect her to. Yeah. Like, other than Pitch Perfect, I have a bone to pick with those movies that I'm oh, not even touching I those. can't wait until we cover one of those. <laughs> Next, Penn Badgley plays Scott, who is John Tucker's little brother. He's known for You, Gossip Girl, and Easy A. Jenny McCarthy Wahlberg plays Lori. She's known for this movie, Dirty Love, and Scream 3. I had to throw that in there. She's yeah. got it, like a cameo in Scream 3. And then Terrell J. Ramsey plays Tommy, who's like John Tucker's friend. Mm-hmm. And he's known for this movie, The Black Dahlia and Weeds. Beautiful. Thank you, Terrell. Okay, so now going into the budget. So the budget for this movie was $18 million. Opening weekend earned $14 million. I think it opened in like just over 2,000 theaters. And the worldwide gross to this day is $68 million, <laughs> um, which is kind of surprising. I mean, probably not surprising to, if you look at the marketing. <laughs> well, I was just about to say that kind of like their whole thing is that they marketed on MySpace really, really hard. Yeah. Um, like there's a bunch of videos that like were a part of the trailer where the actresses are like direct addressing, which is interesting because I don't think they explicitly mentioned MySpace in the movie at all. They cashed in on that one. And now going into these critic and audience opinions, Audrey gave me some feedback that these sections are too long. So I tried to narrow <laughs> them down this time. I mean, they're too long for me. I don't know. They might be fine for you. <laughs> I mean, I haven't gotten any complaints from the listeners, but it's okay. So this movie earned a 27% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and an average star rating of 3.0 on Letterboxd. Anyway, the critic consensus on Rotten Tomatoes for this movie is, this derivative teen comedy tries to go for cute when it could use more bite. I have to agree. And then here's three quick little critical statements from critics, obviously. John Tucker will surely die and be quickly forgotten. John Tucker must die is trying to be mean girls with a more pointed purpose, but it's less fun than it sounds. And lastly, rarely has a title promised so much and delivered so little. John Tucker must die is toothless, gormless, witless, and worst of all, deathless. Okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, And then the Ebert opinion. The title of the review is I Was a Teenage Sociopath, and he gave it two stars. Roger Ebert says, John Tucker Must Die is kind of Carrie in reverse, while Kate is tarted up to provide suitable (laughs) (laughs) nookie bait. (laughs) for John Tucker and must invoke Iron Will to resist his hunky, psycho, skeezy wiles. He is the one who will get the figurative bucket of pig's blood dumped on his head in the climactic party scene. That's also the part where, unfortunately, everything rapidly degenerates into a messy free-for-all, and that's a description of what happens to the movie, not just what happens in it. Roger Ebert's creative writing skills (laughs) really went off in that review. Um, And then I just, I had to look at Common Sense Media. This is what they said you should talk about with your kids. Families can talk about whether this film presents a realistic depiction of cheating boyfriends and vengeful girlfriends. And what about revenge in general? Is it ever acceptable? Does John deserve to be put in his place? And while we're on reality checks, whose mom looks like Jenny McCarthy? 
More seriously, though, what about the relationship between the mother and daughter? Does that bring up any hot spots with your own teens? Dot, dot, Okay, dot. is that a question for the parents? That's a really good question. It's a little unclear what exactly they mean by that. The audience score on Rotten Tomatoes was 69%. The audience opinions, completely miserable. Great movie. I love Britney. She is my idol. It is her birthday today, March 9th, 2015. Happy birthday, Britain. <laughs> Brittany? Britain? They just said Britain. Somehow, I don't believe the other girls needed to teach Britney Snow how to get noticed by men. Yeah. Yes. That's a huge complaint for this movie. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so when did we first watch this movie? What preconceived notions did we have going into it? Audrey, do you have memories for this? Well, I remember one of my middle school best friends had this movie, like, on DVD. And I remember seeing it like, in Mm -hmm. her house, but we never watched it. But I was just like, what? And I knew she liked it. I'm pretty sure she liked it. Um, But it was just like, I never saw it. And I I don't think I really cared. So I didn't see it until actually during COVID. I watched it for the first time. Yeah. I had... Okay, this season, it's been especially brutal. I had never seen this movie until I watched it for this. However, I... I do have pretty clear memories from when I was younger of thinking that this movie was like too edgy for mom to let us watch. Like I thought it going into it, I thought it was going to be more like Easy A or something where like the sex is more like comfortably talked about or like it's more raunchy, I guess. But that is not what this movie is like at all. And I did think that Ariel Kebble was in it, but then I was like, am I wrong? But then I watched it and she was there and it made me very happy because that's Cecilia Banks, baby. I know this season we're, we've had really bad luck with like having real nostalgia because we're just getting to a point where like you only saw so many movies in your childhood. Like obviously we heard of them. Like we, we, all the movies we've covered, we had heard of, but like, there's not really heavy nostalgia for like most of them. That's because there is a very large portion of movies that we have not approached or even really scratched the surface of. And you know what they are. I know. Disney animated movies. Oh, well, yeah, but that's different. You know, like that's its own category compared to what we cover normally. Yeah, but I think that it counts. I think it counts too. I just, they, I would want them to be spread out. I feel like mini season of them all that we really watch would be good. It's a conversation for another time. <laughs> we'll take that one offline. Um, okay, so where did you watch this movie? Well, tell us if you want that, first of all. They are going to want it. Where did I watch it? I had to rent it. Same. It was sad. It was sad. Because I don't have stars. I know. I was like, who the hell has stars? It's a mystery. I have more notes for this one than I have for a while. Hey, okay. So that's good. It's just like very comical. The whole thing is really... It's something. It is something. (laughs) Okay, we will be back momentarily. And when we return, we will talk about 2006's John Tucker Must Die. 
Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, welcome back to the pod, everyone. Um, have you seen John Tucker Must Die? Be- be- because we have. And I started stuttering on B. Um, this is me, again, trying really hard to not say <laughs> the exact same thing I say every time. Okay, it's time to get into it. Okay, so again, this is how it is now. This is how it is going forward. <laughs> if you know the answer, just say it. But if you want the choices, tell me you want the choices. Okay. Okay. Number one, what was Heather's suggestion for a foolproof way for Kate to get John to fall for her? And Heather is Ashanti. That was a hint. (laughs) Yes. Give me the choices, controversially. A, show a little skin. B, become a cheerleader. C, go out with one of his friends. D, wear stilettos. Uh, (laughs) Is this a trick question? (laughs) No, it's easy. Become a cheerleader? Yeah. Hey, okay. It's easy. Yeah. Okay, this one should be easy too. What band was Scott listening to in the library? Scott is Penn. Yes, I know. This is not my actual answer, but I want to say the Smiths just because he would be listening to the Smiths. Don't you want the choices, though? You're, you don't want to get it wrong on purpose. I just said it's not my actual answer. Oh, 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 okay. Sorry. Yeah. Um, just in that he has the 500 days vibe. But, okay, yeah, give me give me the options. Yeah. A, Blink-182. B, Smash Mouth. <laughs> C, Cheap Trick. D, Third Eye Blind. Is he listening to it? diegetically it's 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 verbally spoken what he's listening to and he sings it too okay it's not smash mouth no uh, it's not it's not smash mouth what are the other options third eye blind cheap trick and blink 182 i think it's cheap trick it is cheap Yay. trick <laughs> cuz he sings um that one song of theirs that's like really popular It's like one way or another, but not that song. (laughs) It's like, oh, I want you to want me. Next question. According to Kate, what's rule number one of their plot to bring down John? Bruce's ego? No, but you're close. Shake his confidence. (laughs) Is it a wording thing? No, it's like not... The oh, same. Okay, what I are guess, the options? What it, are the options? 
A, never show weakness. B, never show affection. C, never fall in love. D, never underestimate your opponent. Never underestimate your opponent? Yep. Okay. Thank you. I use the the choices every time. Thank you for that. Yeah, you have to give me choices. I promise I will do it right next week. (laughs) You make me look bad (laughs) for not giving me choices. I know, I know. It's not fair. I have like an opening thing. Please. Statement. Please. A ribbon cutting Um, ceremony. To me, this movie has Hilary Duff Cinderella story vibes because um, what is it with... Like, okay, Brittany Snow, Hillary Duff, they are not your likely underdogs. It mm-hmm. is sort of similar to Taylor Swift. A little bit hard to feel bad for them. Yeah. Um, you know, and I also have a theory that if Emma Stone had been famous like a few years prior, she would have been Brittany Snow's role. Yeah. Because she has that thing that they were looking for that yeah. they casted Brittany, but it doesn't fully work I I don't buy it yeah it's like not it's like the beginning of Mean Girls sort of too when it's like oh yeah Lindsay Lohan's totally gonna be ignored okay but at least they like they did a better job yeah yeah they did a better job and she's coming from another country so I think the culture gap with Mean Girls like having that aspect of it makes it a little more believable that she would feel outcasted I, I mean, I kind of love this group. Like, the the casting for this movie is pretty great, but I find that the writing is god-awful, and I'm like, I feel bad that a woman, like, a woman actually got to direct this movie, but, like, a man wrote it, and it, like, it shows. Because a lot of the choices that they're making, I think, are good, but the things that they have to say and the way that the plot moves is like the most anti-feminist thing I've ever seen in my life. I like, honestly, I thought it was going to be like way more offensive than it was. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's only one R word. There's, you know, a few, like, it could have been worse. Actually, speaking of the casting, when I saw Ashanti cat like in that cast I was like oh there's gonna be like never ending like stupid racist jokes like that's what I was anticipating and then there why just because well just think of movies from that era normally when there's like one black girl character they're gonna make it into a whole thing I'm wondering if they wrote all of the characters race blind or just assumed they would all be white because there aren't any of those jokes in there that's what I was going to say is, like, it's just, like, written really bland. Like, yeah. they're all white. And then they did a casting that was actually interesting. But yeah. they didn't, like, change it. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know, you can go either way on that. Obviously, if if um the writing is, like, diminishing to black people, then, like, yeah. no, that is not preferred. We'd rather have colorblind casting yeah. than that. But... It also is its own form of diminishing in a way. Yeah. Do you agree that it is true that this movie does take a lot of inspiration from Mean Girls? Obviously, a lot of the movies that we cover do, but specifically in the part of strategizing how to take someone down and like doing these like very 
physical methods of like taking someone down, like Mm -hmm. estrogen pills or wearing a thong, you know, dumb shit. Like, yeah, that is what they do in Mean Girls. Yeah. um, Like to a T. I wrote down, this is just one really long sabotage montage from Mean Girls. Yeah. Yeah. And even John, like, okay, I don't know if you'll agree or if people generally agree with this, but like John Tucker seems gay. I don't know what to tell you. Audrey. Audrey, one of the first things I wrote down was he's gay for real. Like, like I thought that was going to be the punchline in the end. I mean, it, it's kind of like Aaron Samuels. Like, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. what's his face did a lot. What's his, that guy's name? Aaron Samuels. Jonathan Bennett. Wow. Um, That's Jonathan impressive. Bennett is a gay man, IRL. And no. he did a better... He did a better job, I think, of playing straight than this guy. And I don't yeah. even know if this guy is straight or not. But, like... It was something about the overshaping of his eyebrows. Yeah, it was in the eyebrows. And it was also in, like, the way he chose to play. This guy, it's it's actually, like, a really tall order to ask someone to play this particular role. Because it, it's, like, difficult. Cold. I don't know. You don't often see really popular boy who's also a serial cheater, who you also have to like in the end, who yeah. you also feel are supposed to feel bad for, who you also hate. Like, that yeah. is like a lot to ask. I am certain we will get to this, but it's like the perfect embodiment of what it's like to be like a white man with power. You can be complex even when you're the worst. Yeah. Like there's space and, and for that. And people are are so quick to forgive you. Like the entire ending of this, I never, like, I guess I should have expected it for the time, but like never do, do you think in the beginning of this movie that you're going to end up with Britney Snow being gaslit about being a bad person. <laughs> right. <laughs> like that scene, they, first of all, Penn Badgley's character almost disappears entirely for like a good portion of the movie. And you think that he will either be befriend Britney and team up with her and they will fall in love mm-hmm. over the movie, mm-hmm. um, over the course of the movie, or... Um, it will, like, backfire sooner, but he will be involved. But he wasn't even involved. Like, why have the brother, if all you're going to do is throw him in at the three-quarter mark and and have him say, my brother... He literally hates his brother. And he's like, my brother... All of his relationships have been fake, and he thought yours was the one that was real, and it wasn't. And you're <laughs> I actually forgot that they don't end up together in the end. Is that true? That the that they, Penn Badgley and Brittany Snow aren't together? They're not together, but there's, like, suggestion that they could be. Honestly, why didn't they just let her date John Tucker in the end? Well, I'm glad they didn't let her. I mean— I guess they're sending such mixed messages because they can't decide if they want to be a girl power movie or a like a romantic movie. They like can't decide. Yeah, 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 yeah. But and they do kind yeah. of do that, but it's so unnatural. Like, yeah. It, w- <laughs> wait, at the very end, 
Do they do they or do they not have John Tucker dating multiple girls at once? They do. Like literally. They do. <laughs> he yes, he does have two GFs, but he's honest like, about it. That yeah, like he's like great ladies. <laughs> and now he's gonna be like a polygamist. Like, thank you so much for that. Yeah. That's the lesson. So he he apologizes for the way that he acted. You know, the way that he lied and stuff. And then the resolution is that he will just date multiple. (laughs) That's the resolution. Yeah. (laughs) We have to talk about Diet Coke representation. I have never, ever felt more seen than in that scene where all the girls are in Kate's kitchen Mm -hmm. and she goes to the fridge. She gets out four crisp (laughs) Diet Cokes after school. An after-school crisp diet Coke? <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I want one. I've <laughs> I've been like purposely not buying them. Because you're smacking them so hard? Yeah, like if I have them, I like can't stop. Like it's it's <laughs> just, and I get the mini cans. As I have said before, I buy the mini cans because I have to carry my groceries home. So like I don't want heavy things. So it's just like a little sippy sip of Diet Coke. But it's like if I have just one, if I have one mini can, that's not enough. Oh, I get it. I get the full size 12 pack, but I've been really careful about, I only drink them during the day now because this whole insomnia bullshit I've been dealing with. So I try to cut off caffeine at that point. But to me, I don't naturally think of Diet Coke as a caffeine source. I think of it as a life Mm -hmm. source. Me either. Yeah. And that actually didn't even occur to me until like a few weeks ago because I think somebody said something about the caffeine in Diet Coke or like the ingredients. And I was like, I feel like throughout my throughout my life, I I was like proud of myself that I don't depend on coffee. But like, what if I what if I'm just I don't need as much because obviously there isn't as much caffeine in Diet Coke as there is in a cup of coffee. But like, I don't think um, it's that much less though. Yeah, I'm like it's just my version of of coffee. But like, yeah. So if I don't have it. I just, I don't have like the headaches though. I feel like people have like intense headaches without coffee. Well, that's if you're like a hardcore coffee drinker. Yeah. Amazing Diet Coke representation. Uh, yeah, agreed. And you know that check hit also. I that saw- That check paid for this movie. When I was doing research, it said that the diet or that the Coke logo is visible in almost every scene. How would you describe Penn Badgley's- archetype that he plays. As a young person, he basically was pigeon-held as being somehow nerdy when he literally is sculpted by the gods. So like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like he's, he's a model. Like you could never say that he isn't beautiful to look at. So is it just because of his personality and like how he kind of like how he read in the room, like audition wise, that makes casting directors put him into that category? He's like smart. I like, I actually like him. Yeah. And he's self, he's very self-aware. Um, and I like how much he shits on the things he's been a part of. It's really funny. <laughs> like, he's just like, yeah, I know it's dumb, but what are you going to do? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was so tickled when Penn was describing 
Brittany Snow to John Tucker and he was like, she listens to obscure podcasts. I was like, a 2006 podcast yeah. mention? That is like <laughs> really knowing your shit. Did you clock that pop punk time after time cover? That was good. Yes. They had a and lot th- of weird covers in this movie. I thought it was like well-placed though. Here's a question. I don't know like any of the characters' names. When the vegan slut and Brittany Snow kiss in the car. Hey guys, guess what? We don't have to extrapolate <laughs> so fucking hard yeah. this time. Although, of course, we do. We do. We because do. Because the fact that it actually happened means that it was solely for men. And they literally put in some random kid to react to the two girls kissing to say, do it again. So, like, it's not, it's still not gay. Somehow we got a gay kiss and it's still not gay. <laughs> right. But, but it also, like, it's so it weird. Felt, what? It felt gay. I don't know. The chemistry was there. So, <laughs> yeah. I was kind of like, what? And then it never comes up again. But even before that, like I texted Audrey like maybe a third of the way through the movie or a little bit earlier being like, this movie is gay. And she was like, you ain't seen nothing yet. And the the thing that was so gay to me was just like, what is Brittany Snow's character's name again? It was like, why is Kate putting herself in this position in the first place? What does she actually really stand to gain? from doing any of this aside from like the primping and love and attention of these other three girls. And I don't know why it seems so gay to me, but it just does. Well, what they want her motivation to be is like revenge against the men who have, who've wronged her mother. That's like what they they, like want. Yeah. That's what they want it to be. It is kind of rare to see like this mom, the single mom, and then like five teen girls all in a scene together and like the dynamics of that. Yeah. I just felt like the connection wasn't fleshed out enough. Like, even if. No, of course it wasn't. Even if there were like two more lines kind of hammering that in. And I felt like that was true about so many things. Like, I feel like I don't know anything about the little clique of girls other than, like, their archetypes. Well, they're not a clique. That's the problem. Well, they're not a clique, but you know what I mean. In the sense of this, they may as well be. Yeah. I think um, Arielle Kebbell's character really confused me, too, because... Her type, like, isn't a thing. What? Yeah. Yeah, like, her type doesn't exist. I mean, I'm sure there is an extremely hot girl who, like, writes lists or something. (laughs) Of her... Observations and notions. Yeah. Notions. That I <laughs> thought like, was actually really funny. Yeah, I, I thought that was funny too. What about being a vegan yeah. or an activist would make you a slut? It seems like it would be the opposite, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what do you, where is this coming from? This must be like, like an idea right. from that time because I don't, never got that. So I don't get it either. At all. To me, when I think like vegan activist, I'm still thinking like, like Lily. Nerd. I'm thinking like Lily Moskowitz. Yeah, it would be yeah. like a nerdy girl. Right. Or like a punk girl. Yeah, I'm like, okay, if there was like extremely hot girls who were vegan activists, then maybe, you know, more people would have been vegan <laughs> activists. <laughs> right. Like something isn't really connecting here. Personally, you know, when they go out on the boat, on the date night. Yeah. I would like to think that that means it's set in Cleveland, Ohio. They're out on their boat on the Great Lake Erie. 
All right. <laughs> let me believe that. Why Just not? let me believe that. I mean, it could be. I mean, can anyone prove it wrong? It is shot in Canada. Close enough. I mean, I have like a whole laundry list of the problematic things. Okay, just go because mine are real random. Um, the lines about bulimia and fat camp, that was one. They're throwaway though. They're they're jokes, yeah, but yeah. it's just like, yeah. okay. The the line about like if you take estrogen and then stop, you'll grow a mustache and a penis. Yes. The fact that and now it does backfire. I wrote this before I knew it backfired, but that John Tucker crying at a basketball game would like sabotage his life. Like they they <clears throat> give him estrogen pills and then he ends up the the like result of that is that he breaks down crying at a basketball game. It backfires because girls end up being attracted to the emotion. Mm-hmm. But before that, the intention f- was that that happening would like ruin his life somehow. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I it's like, what? I think it's like not just about the crying, it's about like the hissy fit. Like cuz he it's not just that he cries, it's that he's like stomping and like whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and also that they like want to like literally make him less masculine. Like they want to like tone him down or something. It feels very much like a man wrote it and did not. Yeah. Fact check. If you take estrogen, you'll become a woman. <laughs> right. If you take and by estrogen, I mean like daily women's pills. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like that. They are expecting you as the audience to make a complete 180 about how you feel about John Tucker when he decides that Britney Snow has changed him. Like, Britney Snow has shown him what love is or whatever. When he decides he can do monogamy. Yeah. Yeah, but then he also can't do monogamy because he's dating two girls at the end. (laughs) I literally cannot stop referencing Glee because I've been so deep down the hole for so long now. But it kind of reminds me of like a way less fleshed out Puckerman situation. Because like he's still a douche and like a womanizer, but you still kind of feel for him. But that's because you like know more about him. Whereas with John, it's just like... We don't know enough. No, we're just waiting for him to come out of the closet the whole time instead. And honestly, that's not even like probably that far off because like who this behavior, you're overcompensating, <laughs> sir. Yeah, sir. Um, <laughs> And he just like doesn't act like a straight man. No. he's Maybe he's a bi icon. I don't know. A bi icon. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will say that the scene where he, like, wears the thong and then scales the side of the building and then gets, like, kicked out into the hallway, I actually thought that part was really funny. No, like, this movie, to me, has some good moments. I think that, like, it's generally a good premise. And, like, I think it would have been a fun premise if it had been written correctly. And I think the name is fun too. Mm-hmm. Like like sort of what they were saying in, in the reviews. Like did it, it just doesn't live up to its name. But that name is like a good, it's a good yeah. intriguing name. I will say that when, before I watched this movie, I did not think it was set in high school. I thought that it was set in college. And I feel like this movie, there are very few movies that would actually benefit from a collegiate setting. But I feel like this one would. Yeah. Yeah. Me too, because it's like, the parents are hardly involved anyway. Right. Um, and if you want to keep 
Kate's backstory, you can. Like, yeah. you don't, it doesn't matter that if she's in high school or not. And also, like, just, like, dorms and, like, hooking up and and stuff like it that would have been sense. a lot easier. And more believable that he could even have three different girlfriends yeah. because it's not all so, like, smushed together. And I can't help but envision how they could have corralled, like, sororities, like, Greek life into it. Which I know that's I getting mean, close to Sydney White, but still, I would just be interested to see like the concept, the loose concept. It's never done well. Well, except for Legally Blonde. Yep, literally. That's, and that's the only it's time. Like very much larger than life. Yeah, it's it's larger than life, and it's also a little bit in the background. Like yeah. it, it is her, but it, that's not the meat. Of yeah. It. Also. Um, um, another thing about him, the part where, like, at the very, very end, when they're like, truce, and then they're like, truce. When I saw that, I was like, her eyebrows look different. This has to be a reshoot. And it was a reshoot. Yeah. But now that I know she was in Hairspray, she kind of looks like what she looked like during Hairspray. So I'm like, maybe it was then. Maybe she was gearing up for then. I wish that Ariel Kebble... Ugh had more glory in the current culture. Like, also Ashanti. Yeah, you know, Arielle Kebble. Like, the fact that she has that haircut is, like, amazing. I know. Like, she just has that bob, and, like, no one yeah. questions it. And had it in a lot of movies. She yeah. has it in, like, all her movies. They, I mean, because if she had long hair, she would be a little less distinguishable amongst all the hot girls. Yes, I agree. So I think it what it did do something for her. And it's crazy that like something as simple as that can change casting director's perception of you. Like, and in her case, I think it helped her. I think it helped her a lot. We, we should get Ariel Kebble <gasps> on the pod. Do you think I could? Do you think we could? Yeah, I think that so. That would be amazing. I, okay, I guess what I would like us, what we can take it on home with is at some point it struck me that there are like these four really beautiful, probably interesting, clearly intelligent young women in this story. And the entire thing is like centered around this shitty man that for some reason they like think will change or like they think that like vengeance is going to like change what happened to them or whatever. And is it symbolic of like straight life? I don't know, but it stirred <laughs> something up in me that made me write down, does this still have a symbolic meaning in 2022? Also, like, the locker room talk thing. I was like, this is just, like, a little too close to home. I don't know how, like, purposeful that was, but it definitely does hold up. A lot of that stuff holds yeah. up to this day. Like, the I noticed that, too, the locker room talk thing. <laughs> like, is this how it feels to be a straight girl? Like, it, like in this way? This, like, in high school. Like, to be— That's the whole so, thing. Like— To be so, like, invested and involved with, like, some boy in high school. I'm like, I, again, like, don't relate. I don't know yeah. what that was like. I but they do look like they're in college and it feels more like that. It so. does. It does. I guess I just thought that going into this movie that John Tucker would be more of like a dummy or very like 
more of like a punchline than like an active character and that it would be more about like the ruthlessness of the girls and then them being like, why do we care this much? Like, what does this mean about our lives? Blah, blah, blah. But instead it's just like, let's sympathize with John because he's not that bad of a guy. Like it just did not go where I thought it was going to go. No, it doesn't go where it should go at all. Yeah. Um, It veers off the path, but Literally up until the last quarter, you kind of think it's going to go where you think it's going to go. Yeah, right. And then it just goes so far off. But, you know, we shouldn't have expected it to be like the right ending because, of course, it's not the right ending. Yeah. Um, And it's also like with the name John Tucker Must Die. (laughs) Gaslight the movie. (laughs) I feel like with the title John Tucker Must Die, it's like, okay, the movie starts he must die, stab, stab. But then by the end, it's like the idea of John Tucker must die. Like we're moving on. It doesn't matter, you know? And that is not how it goes. And the ending overall, I rewound it because I was like, did I miss something? Like what happened? But no, I didn't miss anything. They just like slapped the book closed and were like, that's the end. Yeah, and there's no resolution with her mom either, which there should be considering that is where they start from. They start with this whole backstory about her mom. I think that if that's what the movie was about, it could be kind of interesting. Like I can see like a Lady Bird-esque indie film that deals with this Uh because it is interesting. I, I kind of liked that dynamic and like how that would affect a child, like, yeah. and when she's entering high school and, like, coming of age. Yeah. Um, but that's just not what it's about. They just, like, put a hot mom in there. Okay. So, is it a good movie? Kind of. <laughs> not really. <laughs> I feel like no. I could never I like watch no. this again and be happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess no, but I think I hated it more the first time than I did this time. I don't know why. Yeah. You know, with these last few movies or the last set of movies we've watched, like, I haven't walked away from any of them hating it. I felt very neutral about most of them. And I would say this one falls into that category as well. Because it's hard to, like, think it's bad when you're not invested in it at all. And it's very hard to give a shit about this movie. I hate to say it, but it's true. Is it worth watching? Kind of. I actually I mean, for a few of them, Ariel Kebble, Ashanti, that's fun. Ashanti does not do anything in this movie. She just is there. I'm not talking about what she does. I'm talking about her being there. Literally. (laughs) Well, no, I agree. It's like, but, but also she's... She's barely even there, in my opinion. There's some fun fashion moments. Yes, yes. She has a really good shirt at one point. I personally found it shockingly not worth watching. I thought it was going to be a lot better than it was. Really? I thought it was going to be more like Material Girls-y, like train wreck that's fun to watch. Oh, by better you mean worse? (laughs) By better I mean more entertaining. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, to me Material Girls is bad and not entertaining. Like, it's like not, I don't know. I guess if anything, Material Girls is just easier to make fun of because it's so blaringly obvious why it's bad. I think this one like is a little more in the neutral territory. Yeah. If you love Britney Snow, go ahead and watch it. Personally, yeah. I will never be watching this movie again. And um, that's how I feel about it. 
So, would you um, do the honors here? So you can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover-cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at tupingproductions.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at Sleepover Cinema and post a full video version of each episode on YouTube every Thursday. You can follow me, Audrey, at Audriana Leach on everything. And you can follow me, Hannah, at Hannah Ray Leach on Instagram. I also almost started laughing because it's written out as two pink productions, which is stupid. Um, and of course, you can join us on Discord where we have lively discussions around the clock at the link in our episode description or on evergreenpodcast.com we still have merch period on our website we'll look into it on sale yes and you know I've come to you guys with a lot of uh, questions and requests in the past so I'm just gonna gently say leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you feel so inclined Um, we appreciate them we really really do and uh, with that being said Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman with theme music by Josh Perlman Hall, and our executive producer is Michael D'Aloya. Bye! Mad Magazine. Advertising mascots. B-movie posters. And cartoons. Oh yeah, can't forget cartoons. If you get the funky connection that ties these pop culture gems together, you'll dig two designers walk into a bar. See, we're a couple of creatively curious pals living between the bookends of grand museums and dive bars. Hey, you know the place. The sweet spot where highbrow and lowbrow become drinking buddies. So join our barroom chats as we talk influential work and uncover stories of how the familiar became iconic. Think behind the music for the stuff we love. Check out our website at twodesignerswalkintoabar.com. And listen wherever you get your podcasts or visit evergreenpodcasts.com. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.